You launched your podcast when you were 17. I started my <laughs> podcast, the first episode, on a pair of like wired Apple headphones. You had the privilege of interviewing Larry King. I was 19. There's like a 76-year age gap. It was just that moment in particular that completely changed the course and direction of my future. The doctor comes in and he says, you know, I have, I have some good news and some bad news. The bad news is you've been diagnosed with inner spinous ligament damage. As of now, you, you can no longer play football like, ever again due to the instability of your spine. Hearing that, you know, as a 15-year-old kid, it doesn't really register. He has this quote, he says, I've never learned anything while I was talking. The last year and a half from a business perspective, has been quite the adventure that I'm beyond grateful for. And I felt like my timeline of learning that from start to exit was expedited in a sense. Life is very fragile and yeah, being grateful is the epitome of how I try to live. Welcome to the show, Casey. Thanks so much for having me on, Jeff. Excited to be here. Yes, I'm. Uh, it's fun because I think three years ago, almost to the day, I was a guest on your show, and now here you are. Indeed, you are. It's it's been so cool to just see the journey of you and Neverbull. And and quite frankly, when I walked in the studio today, I was blown away. Just like coming full circle from you being on my show to now being on your show in this incredible studio, it's really cool. Well, that means a lot because I, I'll say you are someone I have followed very closely just as an inspiration for launching this show and watching what you've done in the podcast space as just when, I mean, you started so young, but the guests that you have had on the conversations you've had and just how you did it as a professional to then obviously media kits, which was such a cool revolutionary and disruptive <laughs> technology. And as an entrepreneur and to have you now be a guest on my show, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like anxious to learn from you while still doing this. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. So thank you. Um, of course. And as I kind of mentioned to you before we went on that the show's premise is all about success formulas. I think it's formulaic success. That There's a reason you've been successful at everything you do. Um, yep. You have these attributes. And for the audience that are trying to learn, like, how do I get to success? What do I need to do? My goal and hope is through these conversations, we can uncover a lot of these same success formulas, find the common traits and attributes between all these really successful human beings yep. and then give them a, a roadmap to say, hey, this is the things I need to work on. Absolutely. Um, before we get into business, I think what I'm most impressed about is that you're on day 58? 58. 58 of 75 70? hard. That so, is correct. And it's not your first time doing 75 hard. No, first time I did it was in 2020, actually. like Right when COVID was happening, lockdowns, it was just like I got dialed in and committed to 75 hard and it was the best thing that I could have done during that like weird time in the world. It is not easy. I mean, for those who don't know, 75 hard is a program from Andy Frisella created and it's, it sounds like a physical challenge, but it is more a mental challenge than a physical one. And I personally have tried it and have not succeeded. Um, okay. so it is something that I need to accomplish. And so I'll let you tell, what is the rules of 75 hard? Yeah. So, I mean, as you said, they, a lot of people, after I share the rules, you'll think, oh, that's a fitness challenge, but it's the furthest thing from that. So 75 hard, as you said, mental toughness challenge that was created by Andy Frisella. And there are key things that you have to do every single day to complete the day. And I'll read them out. So it's one, you have to do two separate workouts for 45 minutes. One has to be outside. Uh, granted being in California, we're a little, uh, there's, you know, it's, you don't get the cold weather as much as you would hope for in a sense of like making it tough. 
But two workouts a day, one is one outside, 45 minutes, a gallon of water a day, and 10 pages of reading. You have to take an accountability picture in the mirror, no alcohol or cheat meals, and then stick to a diet. And, you know, what really prompted me to, I would say, start this time around is I, I told myself when I did it in 2020, like, oh, I, I would love to do that once a year. And I just, you know, it's so easy not to do. Mm-hmm. And then like thinking about the perfect time to do it and Quite frankly, there's never going to be a perfect time, right? It's like, oh, there's maybe you're traveling in the summer, or maybe you're holidays, you're like life is never going to be the perfect time to do it. And I think that's the beauty of the challenge of just having the discipline and just working through whatever challenge arises. So yeah, it looking back on this one, it's it's crazy because like the day you commit, like day one through 14 are like the most daunting thinking you have, you know, 50 days, 60 days to go. <laughs> But, you know, even getting to, I'm on day 58 now, and it's, I said it over there briefly before we started the show, just, it's truly a a daily discipline that you have to focus on the day. Like even last night, right? Like I did my two workouts, I did my 10 pages in the morning, but it was like 1045 and I still probably had a quarter gallon of water to drink. And which resulted in me like waking up twice last night to go to the bathroom. And it's just, some days it's easier, some days it's not, but yeah, it's a phenomenal challenge. And more importantly, it's the discipline that you get from it is, in my opinion, amplified in every area of your life. And very hard to fall off because I, the physical part is the easiest part for me. It's the, I mean, the, the first time I started, I was like four days in and I didn't take the picture. Mm. And so I, it takes. I, I realized and I, in my head, I was like, ah, it's no big deal. I'll keep going. And I was like, you can't because I'm cheating myself. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll start over. So I started over and then a couple of days in, I, was so busy and I didn't drink any of the water necessary. And it was late in the night and I was yeah. like, oh, I'm starting over. Yeah. And then I quit. Then I tried again like a year later and I was doing pretty good. I think I got 11 days in, 11 or eleven or 12 days in and I was doing it all. And yeah. then something came up with travel and I realized I didn't do an outside workout. And I was like too tired and I quit on myself. And I, you know what? I'm successful in a lot of things, but we all have areas where we need inspiration. And so yeah. you're, 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 you're killing it. And I have a lot of friends who have accomplished that. And I think it's such a cool, it doesn't always have to be that. I mean, for if that's too much, just picking something and being able yeah. to stick to it and making it difficult to your point. I think we were yeah. talking pre-show going to Coachella or being traveling, you know, I travel a lot. So yeah. to get two workouts in and if it's raining outside, you still have to go outside and work out. Yep. We're in San Diego, but it's been rainy this winter. It absolutely has. So how many rain workouts have you done? I think I did like seven or like five to seven during those days. Like right around when I started Sunday of Hardy, it was raining probably like <laughs> twice a week. And, you know, there was moments where it's like sunny in the day, but raining in the morning. I always try to get outside in the morning in the rain because it's like, how can you embrace mm-hmm. the, you know, the hardships of the challenge and just make it that much more like difficult in, in its own right. You know, people are doing this in like Andy, right? In um, St. Louis. St. Louis, and it's freezing. It's just a different context, but I yeah, sent him a message. Good. I think it was this winter. He And he's even fallen off his own stuff. Yeah. I mean, I remember he sent a, uh, he made a post and and I broke and it was like 40 days in, but a couple of weeks before that, it was the middle of a blizzard and he's out there <laughs> doing his walk. And I, yeah. I sent him a message and I'm like, you just are killing it. And yeah. <laughs> he sent me a message with like a frozen face, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's, listen, I think what you get from that is the challenge is the challenge. What you do inside the challenge is irrelevant. What you yep. gain as a human being after you accomplish that. What did you gain in 2020? Just, I mean, because you're a young guy who has accomplished a ton and we're going to get into all of that. But what you <laughs> gained you. by completing something so arduous and difficult and required that level of mental toughness and discipline, 
How has that helped you 2020 till now, obviously going through COVID, inflation, yeah. supply chain, crazy. <laughs> for sure. That's a great question. You know, for me, something that I really embraced last year, like towards the end of the year, um, was just putting something daunting on the calendar. Meaning I ran my first marathon last December and I am by no means, like, in my opinion, naturally a runner. I Before like a year and a half ago, the longest I've ever ran was probably two miles, right? Like by no means a runner. And I think just doing things that are hard, you learn so much about yourself to the point where, you know, nowadays, and we'll get into this like biohacking stuff. I do a cold plunge five days a week. And like the act of doing something challenging just prepares you for life, in my opinion, right? Like I've, you know, I've had the privilege of having so many conversations with successful people. And if you can maintain a level of like self-awareness and discipline through the hardships, like in my opinion, that's what allows you to be great. If you can just stay emotionally at center through the ups, through the downs. And I think by doing things like 75 hard and cultivating that discipline, um, just sets you up for every area of your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I was to get tactical and like what I've learned, I think it was, you know, cause the first time I did 75 hard, 75 hard, I, I failed similar to you. And it just reminds you like, wow, like we can all commit to things, right? Like similar to you, like you commit to 75 hard or maybe you commit to a business or you commit to a pod, like starting a podcast and that initial excitement to start anything just goes away so fast. And you quickly realize that the only answer is truly discipline. And, you know, I've followed Andy for years and he obviously preaches this in his own way. And I've just learned so much from him and the way he discusses it that I just think it, that the, the, the idea of discipline has never been more prevalent in my mind. And I think that's the most important thing that I've learned. And I think what you just hit on is so important because when you look at a lot and I've, we, we have a lot of similar friends and yeah. um, extremely successful, high performance humans, just people that absolutely crush in life. And one of the common traits I've learned just by watching them, and I'm excited to get them all in this in that seat and get to ask them <laughs> here on, on air, is really successful humans not only have the discipline, but they look for the hard stuff to do. Where a lot of us naturally gravitate to, oh, what's the easiest road here? Yeah. I can go left or I can go right. And left looks easy and right looks hard. Let's go left. I found that most successful humans... They choose the harder path because what you gain as a human being by doing a cold plunge, by doing 75 hard, yeah. by committing to run in the freezing cold rain <laughs> or walk or, or follow a diet, say no to the drinks afterwards and making those sacrifices daily, <clears throat> it's a skill. And when you hone that skill and master that skill and improve that skill, it's just like running and gaining yeah. endurance or reading and becoming a better reader. You become better at taking and taking on hard things which makes everything in life easier. <laughs> Absolutely. So I couldn't agree more. You launched your podcast when you were 17. That I did. It, I remember it was like December 21st, 2017. It was the first episode I put out and it was nothing like this. I, I started my <laughs> podcast, the first episode on a pair of like wired Apple headphones, walking in circles in my room, creating a five minute audio. Like, welcome to the show. You know, the goal of this show is to interview people you know, successful entrepreneurs and share my story. And mind you, that was when I was sophomore in high school, really had no business relationships, no connections by any means. Um, it came from this very small town and the podcast, which there was a couple things that led up to starting that that we'll get into, but the podcast was just a vehicle that I wanted to start to meet people, to learn something and to create business opportunity from. And that's been like the core foundation 
of the show since the beginning. And quite frankly, it hasn't changed since. It's just, how can I learn something? How can I meet great people? And of course, learn from them, um, but then create business opportunity. And, you know, we'll, we'll dive into how that paralleled into media kits and everything. But the podcast, yeah, it's been over five years now. And I know it's something that I'll do forever just because it's something that I love doing. And after interviewing 400 different founders, entrepreneurs, musicians, athletes, it's just the conversations that you have. I find myself in every area of life, like reflecting on and sharing stories that I've learned from conversations with my parents to friends to new people I meet. Just it creates such a um, like a diverse communication outlet in life after having so many wonderful conversations with the intention to learn. So you mentioned something led up to the podcast. Yes. So you know, for the full. Backstory: I was born and raised small town in Virginia, it's called Chesterfield County, 30 minutes south of Richmond. And growing up, I was an athlete my entire life, played hockey since I was three years old, played that for 10 years and really just fell in love with sports. Like that was my outlet as a kid. And that was my whole identity. And that quickly transitioned into teenage years to lacrosse, which I loved so much. And then leading up into high school, I was playing football. And I remember literally like it was yesterday, I was 16 or 15, 16 years old at the time, first day of hitting practice in football. I was, uh, you know, going out junior varsity, but I was always practicing with the varsity guys, just like super ambitious in sports. First day of hitting practice, I end up getting injured. And it wasn't one of those injuries that I'll, I'll get into that was, I was rushed to the hospital. It was something where I ended up landing on my head wrong. I hurt my neck, excruciating pain. And how it went is the next day I wake up, I can't really move my head, like one millimeter to the left or right, excruciating pain, go to the doctor. And, you know, me being this 15 year old kid, that's just very opportunistic. I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Give it a couple of weeks. Go to the doctor with my mom that day. I literally remember like the building, the doctor, everything about this day, because it was a pivoting point in my life looking back get x-rays. I'm sitting in the room, just, you know, probably upset. I go, I can't play for the first game, whatever it may be. And the doctor comes in and he says, you know, I have, I have some good news and some bad news. The good news is you are not paralyzed. And obviously you're here right now and you're, you know, relatively okay, considering that could have been an alternative. The bad news is you've been diagnosed with interspinous ligament damage um, you have to be in this neck brace and he's like unpacking it as he's telling me this. You have to be in a neck brace for six months. And as of now, you, you can no longer play football like, ever again due to the instability of your spine. And that was from the impact? Yeah. <clears throat> That's and, not something you were born with. That's, no, no, that, that was, was from, from the, the impact, impact. From the impact. And they knew it like that the day after. And just hearing that, you know, as a 15-year-old kid, it doesn't really register. Yeah. But, you and know. Not just football. You can't play lacrosse. That's what they, that Said. was the initial thing. Yeah. But I mean, I ended up never playing football again. I was able to then play lacrosse. But in that moment, you know, I walk out of there now wearing this neck brace. I have to sleep in it. I have to go to school in it. The only time I'm not wearing it for six months is when I'm showering, which oh. is like, you have to be quick, right? Because like you don't want to risk your neck moving by any means. And it's the one like you see on TV. Yeah. That, like you have to like move your shoulders to yeah. look left and right. Yeah. And there's, um, I'll show you after this. My friend who's an artist, his name is Daniel Allen Cohen. We actually just made this incredible trophy. Like we, uh, we made the neck brace, like the centerpiece of the trophy. And it's, we, he dipped it in gold, like told pain, this whole thing. 
And it's just to resemble like that journey that I went through. And, you know, to the point of like what led to the podcast, like from that moment, that six month window of my life was filled with ups and downs and self-discovery to the point where like the first two, three months I was just depressed. I had no purpose. I, you know, lost my identity as an athlete when I met in looking back, like the peak of my life of like discovering who I am in high school mm-hmm. and friends and everything. And I was just angry at the world. I remember being just pissed off at my parents all the time throughout this journey. I'm like going to school and you have the self-conscious, like, you know, you're 15, you're talking to girls, you're in this neck brace. And it's just like a weird time. Um, but little did I know, like the back half of that six months, I found myself by accident, just immersing myself in personal development and entrepreneurship and started following the people like Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, funny enough, like David Meltzer and these people that I am now have had the opportunity to meet and have on the show. But it was just a young kid that I was on social media, just immersing myself in this content that led to me just really diving headfirst. And after I was gaining all this knowledge about the world and business and entrepreneurship, it quickly led to me starting my own business where I was doing Facebook advertising for local businesses in my area or trying to run their social media. And it was just that one moment in particular that completely changed the course and direction of my future. Before the injury, did you see yourself entrepreneurial minded business? Like what was, what was future Casey yeah. in Casey's <laughs> mind? Yeah. Great question. You know, I, like growing up, you know, in school, they'll hang you like the scantrons. It's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I, I was the furthest thing from an entrepreneurial family. My mom, she was a special ed teacher for the last 12 years, babysitter. My dad's worked at Philip Morris, the tobacco company for the last 30 years. And I, it wasn't that I didn't grow up around entrepreneurs. Therefore, I, I didn't think that was an outlet. I just didn't even know that the whole world of entrepreneurship existed, especially for someone that's young. And, but I, to the point though, like whenever you we were handed a scan trot, I would always circle like business, 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 like business owner without really the intention of knowing like what that would entail. And, you know, I was always the kid that was knocking on doors, shoveling snow throughout my neighborhood. I was making different bracelets and like standing at the corner of my street, selling them to people passing by, or just like if my brothers needed me to cut the grass and, you know, dad told them to do it, I would do it, but I'd make them give me five bucks, like whatever it may be. So I, I was always like, finding ways to try to make money and, and thinking about like the business of like what I wanted to do so that I could, you know, go out with friends or, or do whatever. Um, but it wasn't until like that two, three month period where I fully immersed myself, where I really committed my future to that, like subconsciously at the time. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how life events can really alter and make you pivot in ways, but how you can build use them as a foundation to grow. Yeah. Because your podcast, I mean, for those who don't currently listen to or follow the Casey Adams show, um, you have to. This 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 man has interviewed <laughs> some incredible humans. I mean, you had the privilege of interviewing Larry King, and. I remember watching that and just going, dude, that is such a conversation. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's an interview that anybody and everybody would want to have. And you had that opportunity. And I mean, Larry King is just one of many, but that's probably my favorite one I've seen in your show. Thank you so um, much. And my as well. That that is my favorite interview for many reasons in terms of the importance and the lead up to that and and everything it meant to me. But I mean, just the depth of that man's knowledge and all the conversations he's had and yeah. having that and watching you two talk. And I mean, how old this 
This was, you were... I was 19. 19. I was going to say, this was, because I've been, it's been years <laughs> since I've seen, I saw it and I've watched yeah. it since. Um, I mean, and Larry King passed away a year ago? He, it was two years now. Two years now? Yeah, wow. two years in January. I think it was 20, 2021, like January 2021 or somewhere early 2021. And that's one of the, the incredible parts about podcasting and the conversations that you've had and get to have is you also never know when that opportunity may never exist again. Absolutely. And I would assume that you probably learned a lot from the 400 interviewees you've had. What was the one thing or the number one thing you learned from Larry? Yeah, I mean, the Larry King interview, as you said, was, and I, I reflect on it and I, it literally gives me goosebumps to this day because, you know, from 19 to 22 now, I've grown so much and knowing that, like, wow, at 19 years old, I had the opportunity to sit down with someone that was not only the, the top tier of someone in his field of broadcasting, but just such a pioneer of that whole space. You know, he was, Larry King was born in 1933. He was 87 when I interviewed him. I was 19. There's like a 76 year age gap. And the ability to talk on this new age medium, just the, the thought that he was open to doing that at 87 speaks to the volume of how he's pioneered broadcasting, radio, just everything that he's done. Hey, fitness fans, ready to crush your fitness goals? Make your move to EOS Fitness, where becoming a member starts at just $9.99 a month. Gyms are open 24-7 and packed with the latest gym equipment to keep your workouts fresh. What are you waiting for? Give them a call, drop by, or hit up jefffenster.com forward slash EOS to join. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. Now, let's get after those goals. As an entrepreneur, I know how meaningful it is to invest in the people and causes that are close to me. And on GoFundMe, it's easy, safe, and powerful to do just that. Whether you're supporting a family member, friend, local business, or charity. And whenever you make a donation, you're protected by the GoFundMe giving guarantee. Visit GoFundMe.com today to help make a positive difference in your community. And, you know, the one thing that I really took away from Larry that I've tried to implement to my, into my life from a podcasting perspective, but more so just from a life perspective is he has this quote, he says, I've never learned anything while I was talking. And he just speaks to the importance of listening in conversations with on a podcast or to your family or to someone you, you know, talk to on the street. And I think that's not only what I've learned the most from him, but I've tried to apply it in my life since that moment. And I felt like that it's become such a part of who I am from the way I try to put out content to the way I, you know, have built my brand is just all around listening, right? Like when I think about my content over the years, like the podcast has always been that fundamental element to showcase others, to highlight stories. And, you know, throughout all the hundreds of episodes, like hundreds and hundreds of hours, I've spent listening and it wasn't always that way. Like the first, you know, probably 10, 20 episodes when I was 17, I remembered I was always so anxious, like to the next question, to the next question. And you forget that there's so much value in just simply listening and letting your mind be present. And he was the king of that. Truly, just if you watch his interviews and how he's like asking questions the way he did, it just, you know, he actually was, in my opinion, like one of the greatest listeners, which made him the greatest interviewer, in my opinion, of all time. And that's by far what I've, the most important thing that I learned from him is just the importance of listening. 
I mean, it's, it's such a skill. It's a skill that is so important to continue to hone. I mean, that's, I've had to work on my own listening <laughs> skills, being on this side of the table. Like yeah. we talked about, I mean, being the host is way different than being a guest. Absolutely. I came into this, you know, I'm new to podcasting. This is obviously a newer show. And, you know, I've been a guest on three, 400 uh, episodes of other people's show. Wow. And I'm like, oh, it won't be hard. And then <laughs> they happen. You're like, wait a second. I have to do this whole thing, listen intently and ask. And I don't get taken through. I have to be the be yep. the show host and make it relevant and important. And it's such an important skill. How did you get the interview with Larry King? Yeah, that's a such a good story. So, you know, in even before diving into like in life, I just, there's things that happen that ref, you reflect on, you reflect on and you're just like, wow, if I didn't do that one thing, that wouldn't have led to that. Like the creating opportunity, you know, in my life, I've been such a big believer in just putting yourself out there. You know, I was small town, didn't have any relationships. And like the first two, three years of my journey, like kind of how we met, like I was going to so many different events that either Dan was hosting or just people were hosting to just put myself out there and to create opportunities. And, you know, at the, at the, in the moment, you don't know what they will lead to from booking that trip or going to that event or, you know, raising your hand in an event and sharing your story, all the things that are uncomfortable. Um, and the Larry King story. So one of my good friends this is sort of like the snowball of the story. His name is Michael Gruen and he was helping Tillman Fertitta restaurateur who owns Mastro's, the Houston Rockets. He was, he had a book called shut up and listen, came out in 2019. So, um, Michael was like, Hey, you want to have Tillman on your show? You know, he's a billionaire. Just came out with a book. I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> Did that one online. And it was one of like, I think it was the first billionaire I interviewed. So I was super excited, nervous for it. Had an incredible interview with him. And then like two, three weeks after this interview, mind you, this was probably like summer of 2019. Um, I get a text from like Tillman's team and everything like, Hey, we're having a, a dinner at the Mastro's in Beverly Hills with every, like with a handful of different you know podcasters and people that helped promote Tillman's book. Would you would you want to come? Of course. So fast forward, you know, probably two three weeks. I'm I'm living in Arizona at the time. Come out to LA to come to this dinner specifically. Get there. There's probably thirty people there in Tillman. We're at like the penthouse in Mastro's Beverly Hills. Like such a cool experience. And my friend, which then turned to my business partner. Kieran at Media Kids, he was he was there with me, and we sat at different sides of the table. And he ended up sitting next to this guy named Chance, Chance King, and I was on the other side of the table. And Tillman's asking everyone to go around, introduce themselves, share a little about you. And he gets the chance, and Tillman says to him, "You know, it was such a pleasure being on your father's show today. I, I always appreciate his his kindness and his." interview ability, whatever he said. And I was like, oh, wow, like that's Larry King's son. And it was a very intimate dinner. Everyone was talking to each other where I simply introduced myself, got to know Chance. I was 19 at the time. He was 20. So, you know, we're same age. And we just hit it off, like genuinely as friends. And, you know, I'm not the type of person when it comes to like my interview approach over the years where it's like meet someone and ask to interview someone in their network or they're close to. Like, I, I truly believe in just letting things happen and not being like, can you do this favor and get this person on my show? But like truly building relationships has always been like the foundational element of how I approach things. And like the, it was very serendipitous where the following week I was doing this event in Los Angeles with like Rob Deerdeck and drama. And just, we did this cool event, young and reckless speaking event. I invited chance. He came by and you know, we just started hanging out more. And then as time went on, I'm the type of person where 
just over the years, whether that's on like special occasions, holidays, I try to text people that I think of and say like, happy Thanksgiving or whatever it may be, just to like put good energy out mm-hmm. there and to, to check in with people. And I remember when I, I first asked Chance, I was like, you know, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you over the last few months. I was just curious, like what, what would it take to have your dad on the show? Or, and do you think that's something he'd be open to? And I remember the first time I brought it up, he's like, you know, he was just coming out of a stroke. He wasn't doing the best. So probably not the best time, like totally get it. And then fast forward, um, that was probably like September, October. And then fast forward to Thanksgiving that year, I remember I was taking off on a flight um, from Virginia with my family back home to Arizona. And I remember Chance texted me back because I messaged him that day. He was like, hey, by the way, um, I, I brought up the idea of my, my dad being on your show and he said he'd be open to it. Like, do you have any plans to be in LA in the next couple of weeks? I'm like, you tell me day and I'll be there. <laughs> and I remember the days, like it was yesterday, December 10th, 2019 is when that, the interview happened. And I remember just going to, you know, his famous iconic studio setting and waiting for him to come in, him rolling in on his wheelchair. And, you know, one of the biggest takeaways that I, learn from him that day is when he came in, it wasn't that he was not alert, but you know, he was 87 years old, just coming out of a stroke in a wheelchair, wasn't doing the best and maybe soft-spoken, but the moment the cameras turned on, he was so hyper-focused and in conversation and it just blew me away yep. from like his ability to like do what he's great at. And, you know, that was the story of how, what led up to it. And, and fun, actually, one thing I missed was like a couple weeks after I met Chance, I was at the Century City Mall in LA and I, I'm about to leave. This is hilarious. That I, I totally missed this part. Larry King scrolls, like, strolls right past me with a, a, him and a couple buddies. And this is literally like a couple weeks after I met Chance and, you know, moments like that don't just happen. So I kind of, I see him, I'm like, oh my God, I have to go introduce myself. So I walk up, I introduce myself and um, just, you know, take a picture, send it to Chance. And it was just so crazy how like that interaction happened very shortly after meeting his son, which then prompted the, you know, to bring up the conversation of having him on the show. Um, But yeah, it's like, you can't predict those occurrences in life. And I think that's the beauty of just, you know, saying yes to things that, Maybe you don't know what they're gonna bring opportunities wise, opportunity wise, but you know that's that's the story and how it went down. But that's such an important lesson because I think, well, the story is awesome, right? And it's it's entertaining. It's cool to hear <laughs> how you got that interview. The message that you're basically it all started because you said yes to something about a well, I go to a dinner because yeah. there's this opportunity, and all this all too often we're waiting for opportunities to fall in our laps that we don't realize they're, they're there. They're just disguised as you having to do something that maybe you don't feel up to. Yeah. And it's such a valuable thing to do repetitively because yeah, you know, they don't all end up with an interview with Larry King. Those are, <laughs> those are the grand slams. Yeah. But they might, might've just been a good friendship with chance. Yeah, exactly. Right. It might've just been to your point. You also had uh, another meeting with Kieran who became your business partner later. And when you launched yeah. media kits, and did you meet Kieran at that dinner or did you know him before? Well, I knew him before. We were we were living together in Arizona. Oh, you were already roommates. Yeah, we were already roommates. But yeah, so I, I knew, I've known Kieran since like living back in Arizona. I mean, excuse me, in Virginia. We met like when we were both 17. Who was the first person you interviewed on, on your show? A friend of mine named Caleb Maddox. Do you know Caleb? 
Um, do I know Caleb? I don't know if I know Caleb. He was, I know a lot of Caleb's. Yeah. I, I, and Maddox, the Maddox part, his sister named Paige? No. Okay. Not that I know of. Um, but good friend of mine, a young entrepreneur. I remember the first interview that we did. It was just literally on a phone. We're trying to record. I'm trying to figure out the best way to record. It had no special mic setups or anything, but just, and really not even the first interview, the first 10 or 15 were just friends of mine that I have met on social media. Like Kieran was like, um, on the show, Caleb was the show, a couple of people that I've like, known over the years that were like the young, young guys just figuring it out, like pursuing their, you know, business endeavors were the first guests. And then it just slowly became this thing where I, I set a goal. I wanted to do 60 interviews in the first 90 days of hosting the show. And that was my mission of just cold DM outreach and just going all in on that. And I ended up doing it and it sort of set the tone and gave me the confidence of like putting myself out there, um, reaching out and either getting a no or getting a yes. Like, I was so surprised by you know the the willingness for people to come on the show. And mind you, this was 2018. Podcasting space was a whole, in a whole different um, just it was a whole different space back then. Yep. Um, but that intensity, the first 90 days, just set the tone and really made me fall in love with the process. And I learned so much from a host perspective of just my interview approach and you know to really talk about the podcast overall, it was always, you know, in the back of my mind, like, how can I go meet people, have great conversations so that one day when I'm starting that company, I want to get the tactical advice from a business perspective. Like I can ask these people that I have rapport with to, you know, if from a fundraising perspective, if I want to go raise a round of funding, or if that was in the picture, then I can just share this opportunity with. And it, it really came full circle when we were starting media kids, um, back in 2020, 2021, where, you know, without going too far into the story yet, we raised a round of funding in 2021 and probably 90 to 95% of the investors in the round were literally past guests on the podcast. And it really just proved to me that, you know, podcasting as a medium, there's not many other things where you can just build deep relationships. And like, for example, we've known each other for years, but we haven't sat down mm -hmm. and had a 45 minute discussion. And when you do that, you just build a much deeper relationship in my perspective with people. And it expedites a lot of the early stages of a relationship, right? Like if we got dinner or we're at an event and we're saying hello, like you can do that and know people. But when you sit down and have an intimate discussion, it just sets the tone of the relationship in my perspective that is a very unique thing when it comes to just building with different people in life. I agree. I think it also adds that element where <clears throat> if you said, hey, Jeff, like we met, let's, let's, I'd love to connect deeper. Why don't we meet for a drink? I'm going to show up. <laughs> not knowing what I don't know. When we meet for a podcast, I'm going to tune up a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to do a little more homework on you and what you've yeah. been doing and catch up and fill in some of the gaps that maybe I knew through conversation, but it forces me to actually prepare for a friendship. And I think that totally. that's a, such a unique way to build a friendship. It's kind of, I mean, you're very outgoing, you know, for outgoing <laughs> and, and sales yeah. minded and, um, people who are really attuned to going to networking events. I just find podcasting and being a guest and being a host gives you an opportunity. It's like the new medium. It's so much better than a networking event <laughs> or meeting over drinks in a loud crowded bar. Yeah. It's to your point. It is. It's an intimate one-on-one -on -one conversation. It requires both of our time scheduled. It's usually in the middle of the day. Yep. Um, and it, it gives us this, Yeah. which is the foundation of building those great relationships. So when you did totally. your 60 and 90 days, <laughs> did you launch all 60 in the first 90 days? 
yeah, I was putting out like three a week, four a week, sometimes two a day, just no consistent schedule initially, just firing away. Did you have a decent following yet or was it? I, you know, I was building my following, but it wasn't anything monumental by any means. Like the podcast allowed me to truly grow a lot in terms of just from a brand perspective, sharing, you know, when you post the clips or, you know, you share that episodes live, the guests sharing it on their page, like a lot of and growth happened with mm-hmm. within that process. So what was the impetus for you to launch Media Kits? Because when we first met, I remember when you launched Media Kits because you sent you sent me over some information about it and I was I was like, you're like, hey, I didn't have a show. Yeah. But you were like, check this out. I just wanted your feedback. And I remember seeing it and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> what was the what was the inspiration and the impetus for you to say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. launch this. Yeah. So you know, Media Kits, for those who don't know, is a platform that allows creators, podcasters, social media creators, musicians, you name it, to create a media kit or more of a a digital resume with real-time data and analytics where we would tap into all the API endpoints of Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, anything you can imagine. And we create a beautiful, as I said, digital resume media kit so you can share with the brand. And really what led up to media kits and the story behind it was uh, my partner, Kieran, I've known him since 2017 when we were both living in Virginia. He was in DC. I was in Richmond. We got to know each other online. And one of his good friends who I, I met is a big YouTuber. His name is JR Garage, big in the automotive space, like million plus subscribers. Um, really, the the idea that was planted in our head for Media Gets happened years prior to starting it, where Jeff came to us. This was probably 2018, maybe 2019 he knew that we were both in Facebook advertising and just marketing in general. And he says, hey guys, like in a group chat, hey guys, uh, Pennzoil reached out to me. They asked me for a media kit to do this brand activation. I don't really know what one is. Can you guys make me one? So we go online. We're like, what's a media kit? We're like, oh, it's like a digital resume. You have your social media statistics. And I remember we made one on Canva, Photoshop, took us an hour or so. We sent it to him. He got the deal. And then I think it's literally like three weeks later, Ferrari contacts him. So he's like, hey guys, Ferrari contacted me. They asked me for my media kit. Can you go update all of my statistics? Because some of the things are outdated. I changed, you know, I uploaded some more videos. I want to highlight different things. Can you go update that and send it back to me? So sure, we're changing, you know, twos to ones and ones to twos. He grew an extra 55,000 subscribers. We sent it back to him and gets the deal. And that's really when we asked ourselves like, wow, why isn't there a way for creators to create a media kit that never gets outdated, that you don't have to go back and update the numbers manually. And on the flip side, why isn't there a way for brands to view verified and trustworthy data directly from the creator? And that's when the light bulb went off. But at the time, it was, again, this was 2018, 2019. We were both just like moving to Arizona, living on our own for the first time. We both didn't go to college. And it just wasn't the right timing. Like I was focused on a media company. Kieran had his automotive agency. So we just sort of shelved the idea. And then... Fast forward to early to mid 2020, COVID's happening. We're still living in Arizona and we just see TikTok really blowing up in terms of, we like to say like creators were being minted overnight. And we really just like, wow, like this whole creator economy thing is absolutely blowing up. We don't see any sign of it slowing down. Like so many creator economy tools were raising big rounds of funding and the timing was just much better where we were like, hey, we, we do see an opportunity here. So for the first four months of just sort of like it was an idea. We were bootstrapping it, trying to get designs and just to get a visual of what it could look like. And once we started talking to some creator friends of ours, which we had a vast from being on the podcast and just being in the creator space ourselves and putting out content, 
validating the idea that led us to the end of 2020, early 2021. And we said, hey, let's go do this for real. And we set out to raise a, a pre-seed round of funding and like really do it with a right team and like get funding in. And it was my first time raising any type of like, you know, capital by any means. And, you know, that was a whole process that we can get into, but we ended up raising just under 1.5 million for media kits. It was a roll and close over the course of six months. And then we launched the product uh, in the company in terms of like, creators being able to use it in August, 2021. And from the day you launched, I mean, it was pretty quick success. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been on the sideline watching your whole journey of it. And I mean, you guys, you guys hit the ground running. And yes, we did. I mean, what was it, 18 months and you had an exit? Yeah, to, from launch, we, we launched the company in terms of when the first user could sign up. And obviously there was like six to eight months of work and fundraising and team building prior to that. But in terms of the product going live was August 11th. And then last September, even it was like late August is when we officially sold the company and we were at Viral Nation. So just over a year. Yeah, and over a year. there's so many learning lessons in there. And, you know, one of the things that, I reflect on so much just about the journey and we can, you know, dive into the nitty gritties of like the 12 months. It felt like 12 years of just <laughs> how much things would change and evolve. But, you know, Kieran and I, it was a, a small team the whole time, like eight to 10 people. And we were just so focused on one thing where I think a lot of companies, especially like early stage startup tech, especially creator economy, there's so many companies trying to do everything initially when we were like, Hey, we just want to be the best media kit builder in this space. They, you know, there's, there's been companies that do a lot. They maybe have a media kit tool, but we want to be the best at this one thing. And that was our intention. That's, you know, we called the company media kits. We had the domain mediakits.com. Like we wanted to be the go-to source for real-time data aggregation that you can share in a link. And we were the first people to really do that. And we just wanted to go what we said, inch wide, mile deep. You know, and we had this big launch party in Los Angeles with Dan. We had Wiz Khalifa come out and perform. We had 700 different creators and friends there. And we really, you know, wanted to make a splash from a branding perspective. And it, it definitely gave us, um, as you said, like hit the ground running. But the reality is with any business, you face hardships right out of the gate. I remember the first like 45 days, we probably didn't, get more than a thousand users. And mind you, this was a, a free tool. It wasn't just a paid tool that you had to pay for it. Uh, you know, it was, it was just a free tool with an upgrade subscription. And that's first 45, 60 days. It was just like, why are people not signing up? Are people using it? Like all those questions that we had to really dive into. Um, there was so much to learn in there, but again, I could, I could keep going on <laughs> and on and on, but I, I want to pause there because like the journey of media kits, it being just under 12 months could have never predicted that. Um, but I learned so much about myself, about business, fundraising, company structures, everything you can imagine where, you know, I, the last year and a half from a business perspective has been quite the adventure that I'm beyond grateful for. And I felt like my timeline of learning that from start to exit was expedited in a sense. What I love about you, Casey, is, and I think it's probably a fact of you having that 400 episodes of all those people that you got to learn from <laughs> beforehand is you're saying the things that, you know, I've been doing entrepreneurship since I was 24. I'm 40. I didn't know half of what you know until I was in my mid thirties. Like, honestly, <laughs> like you, you're so far ahead for where you are in life. And it's awesome to see because Thank you. what you're really saying and what I'm hearing you say is all the learnings, you're a problem solver. You identified a problem and you solved it. And 
yeah, their success has come, but you weren't focused on that. You were focused on being the best at what you do, being remarkable. You know, it's what it's one of my core values. Yeah. It's one of my success formulas. Is be remarkable or don't be it at all. And don't stop when the job's done. Stop when it's the best you can possibly do it. And yeah. through everything you've been talking about, I mean, with your episodes to your business, it's clear that you are learning from those around you. You are taking the advice that Larry King gave you, right? <laughs> you are listening. And it's not just words being, you know, we all have those friends. They ask you a question. They ask 94 other people the same question, and then they take nothing. <laughs> you know? I think for there's sure. a term for them, like they're ask holes, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. They just like to ask. Yep. Ask, ask, ask. And they want to talk about it, but they don't want to take action. And another one of my success principles that, that I hold dear is taking immediate decisive action when I make a decision. And it sounds like you do that same thing. What would you say are your non-negotiables in business and as mm -hmm. a person? I love that question. My non-negotiable is in, you know, when I think about business life, it, it's very intertwined for me, right? It's like how you do anything is how you do everything. I, I really stand by that. So that quote, by the way, is written in, you know, who, so we ask everyone who comes on the show to sign uh, their name and leave a message in our, in our control room. And okay. that's the message Drew Brees left. No way. Yeah. How you do anything is how you do everything. Shout out to Drew. I love yeah, that. So continue. That's Sorry. incredible. No, this is great. I, I love that. You know, core values, if I had to pick three, I think number one is just, and I, and I say this because it will make sense for the other two, just stay curious. And that might not be tactical or people are like, what do you mean by that? I believe staying curious in life from conversations you have to, you know, the, the opportunities I've had, good or bad, just creates an open mind of potential happiness and gratitude, where if you're curious about the world, you're always just curious about what's next or what you can do or how you can be better. It's just a fundamental truth that I try to live by versus trying to, you know, know everything or think that, you know, you're, you're capped at a certain level. It's just like curious about your own ability, curious about how you can help people, curious about the world in general and, you know, new, new technologies, just coming from a, a small town, you I learned that so many people just cave themselves of, you know, what they learn and what's, what's, you know, what's available to them. And they feel that, you know, some opportunities are, oh, not for me, not for me. And they're not curious about how they could, you know, what would they have to do to change their life to get something, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. So that's one, just stay curious about the world. Number two, it'd have to be never stop learning. You know, I... I'm someone that didn't go to college. I graduated high school. I moved out to Arizona a month after. And I knew so, just so true to my core that I am a lifelong learner and I, you have to be. And I knew that at, you know, 17, 18, there was a quote, I'm going to butcher it. It's like the real education starts after college from like what you really learn about life. And yeah, so staying curious, like never stop learning. And that's in every area of your life, from fitness to business to uh, emotional relationship. And then I think number three is just core value has to be extreme gratitude. Like every day from waking up to, you know, the time you go to sleep, I always find moments throughout my day to just be extremely grateful because I, as you, busy life things there's always more to do but I, I appreciate the the 15 minutes call with my mom that you know they live in virginia or the call with my dad my brothers they're healthy i have a seven-year-old niece who i love so much and i just think 
it's so easy to just be consumed from how you, how you can be better or comparing yourself to others when the reality is if you can just live in gratitude and like really know yourself, be self-aware and remind yourself like, hey, like things could be worse. And not in the sense of like, you know, like it's okay to just sit around, but like be grateful for what you have, who you are and what this journey in your life has been like because you're here today. And, you know, as cliche as it is, I think I embrace, and let me actually say it differently. One of my favorite interviews is with Robert Greene, author of The 48 Laws of Power. And he has this section called um, Confronting Your Mortality, which is just confronting death. And not that I've had any like death scares. I'm 22, I'm healthy, but just, I'm, I try to be very hyper aware of like life in general. Like, you know, we both love, and I know you do from our conversation earlier, like longevity yep. and how to, ex, you know, potentially extend life and, and feel great. Cold plunge, I do all that stuff, but just life is very fragile. And yeah, being grateful is the epitome of how I try to live. I love all three of those as core values and as success principles. Uh, being curious for me personally, has led to probably the most amount of financial gain in business I've ever had is because I'm just, I'm curious. I look into it and I see opportunity. I see problems. Totally. Um, Absolutely. The, the lifelong learning, that's just an incredible life skill. And to your point, like we don't know what we don't know until we know it. And everyone has totally. to learn. We learn how to walk, right? <laughs> no one is born knowing how to walk. Yeah. So when you realize that we can learn anything and when you're curious and, and open to seeing what's out there and the fact that you come from a small town, it's ra- it's probably more rare because the world yeah. seemed probably pretty big when you were in your small town in Virginia growing up. Um, totally. Being in Southern California, the world seems <laughs> small just because yeah. people are always coming and there's a lot totally. of hustle bustle. And so I think it's such an important skill for everyone to push themselves outside of the comfort zone and don't just live in the same bubble with the same stuff. Like my daughter, she's going to college and I'm pushing yeah. her. I'm pushing her to get <laughs> the hell out of here. Not because I don't want her to stay close. Selfishly, I do. Yeah. But I want her to see a different world. I want her to be exposed to different cultures, different ideas, yeah. different perspectives. Go to a small town in, this, in the Southeast, yeah. right? Go and experience and meet people like yourself back when you were still there. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And then, I mean, just your last one about gratitude. I think that's, it's so amazing to me how when you come from a place of gratitude, what doors open up and how, if you're even grateful for the hardships and the lessons, the failures, the the tough times, I mean, yep. you're, you're living that with what you're doing with your cold plunge, the 75 hard. <laughs> I mean, you are setting yourself up to say, no, no, I'm embracing the suck every day. So when the suck of uh, the, the ones that I don't pick, when they yeah. come, you're, you're a skilled sailor. I mean, you're, you're there. And Absolutely. those are the principles. You, you hear he didn't say, you know, I, I practice my broadcasting skills or I'm practicing my coding skills. Those are skills that we can all learn. But what you mm-hmm. did say were the tactics and habits which will allow you to be successful, whatever's next for Casey. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that there's Absolutely. stuff working that you're working on that we can't dive too much into right now, but yeah. um, you're not done, right? Not, not at all. It, it's so... It's so interesting and, and I think this is good as well. Like I'm I'm twenty two. I'm I'm in a serious relationship. I've been in the last for the past three years. I believe you've met Jacqueline. Actually, I think that's how we met. She moderated oh, yeah. I was panel. a speaker at a panel. You know, we were trying to remember how we oh, met. Oh, so you're long right. Ago. This was an event. Yeah, you were with her. Yes. I think me and you were on the panel. We were on the panel. And together. she was the moderator. Yes. And 
your serious girlfriend is is related to David, David Meltzer, Meltzer, who's yep. like my family. Yep. And that's how I got, he asked if I would do this panel and his, and his niece, right? Yes. Niece was moderating. I was like, yeah, of course. And I think we met on that panel back in like 2019. Yeah, you are right. Now that you say that, no, continue. The, Sorry. Full circle moment for sure. Yeah. But like being, she's she's 29, I'm 22. And I feel that the like the level of maturity that I've just grown into from leaving home, my hometown at 18 to like, having some success and then being in a serious relationship, I've just learned so much about myself these past three years. And I believe there's so much to go in depth and from like a relationship and how you grow as a man. But it's just, yeah. And when I think about life from like physical challenges, like a marathon to like having a phenomenal relationship to success in business, like it all stems from like those three things, like staying curious, lifelong learner and gratitude. And that could be, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, that my toenails are falling off on my marathon because I have the ability to run. And, you know, like someone I've had on the show, who I believe, you know, Nick Santanastasio, yeah, he's someone that is such an inspiration to me where if I'm like, yesterday I did leg day and I ran five miles and he, like, he came in my mind and I, just, I think about him so much because just when you think about how people overcome their own obstacles and, you know, take that as a, a learning lesson, it just, it comes back to those three things for me. So, mm -hmm. I mean, Nick, yeah. and Nick, for those who don't know, is an incredibly inspiring human. Very much um, so. He was born without legs and one partial arm. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the condition's called. I, I don't remember. I don't either. Um, very rare. Very rare. Very rare. And his mindset and approach to life when he's born with a condition, which to all of us, you, we, we just can't put our brain there. Like it's, yeah. it's so outside of the realm of, of our understanding. Yeah. Um, but he is such a good human being. And we actually met at a, we were both at a conference together, um, a speaking conference, actually, I was working on speaking okay, and so was he. And now, I mean, that's he's great. Yeah. And it was awesome. And I got to meet him there and we became friends and he's such a good human. He and really that's what is. I'm finding just through all these episodes that I'm doing and what I've met is the people who I think are going to be my most inspirational interviews <laughs> have yet to be them. It's mm -hmm. actually been the people like that have overcome yeah. um, and have dealt with such tragedy because they helped me look at my own life and dive yeah. deeper into that grateful side. Absolutely. And what I'm grateful that I get to do every day Yep. that I used to have to do. <laughs> right. I love that. You get to, you don't have to. Yes. For sure. That's, I mean, it's changed me. It's yep. changing me. And I'm assuming that knowing you, you know, for the last handful of years, I mean, you're just growing from all your interviews. And um, can you give us a little taste of what future Casey's going to be working on? And maybe you can't, but just, <laughs> yeah. uh, just no, anything sure. you can tip. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, of course the podcast I've since, you know, media kits we got acquired in September was at the company viral nation for the past six months as of recently, no longer there. And, you know, the company was absolutely incredible. I just know for myself and, and what I want to do in the future, just you only get to like live in your young 20s once, right? And just having that like ability to go build, be creative, build teams, put out products is something that I'm just super excited about. And now having the experience of Media Kids, I just get to take all the lessons learned and apply it into a new venture. Uh, but definitely, you know, the podcast is always at the core of like how I want to live my life because, it, again, it creates different opportunities and I learn some things. Um, one thing that I'm working on that, as I said, is just more so something that I'm super interested in is just the podcasting tech space um, and just the emergence of AI and how things like AI can automate a lot of the post-production process. 
Um, I have this tool that I recently launched called listener.fm. And the whole thesis is I've been a podcaster for five years and the ability to drop in, for example, right after this show, an audio file into a platform that spits out titles, descriptions, show notes, and all these different things that can make your life easier. Um, we built that and we're just testing right now with tons of different podcasts and podcast networks. And we're going to try it. Yeah. It's by the way, it's super cool. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's really exciting. And if you know, if you're listening to this show and you're saying, wow, I mean, a lot of our audience might be older than you, but you're, you got wisdom beyond your years, <laughs> man. And, and I'm so excited to watch the man that you have become, continue to become and where you're going to go and all the different disruptive technologies that I see in your future. Thank you um, so much, Jeff. You've been an inspiration for me. I've learned a ton. I'm trying to hone my craft as a podcast host and a lot from you, just watching how you did it at such a young age. And I say that because I'm, I'm not young, but I'm not old. I'm like in the <laughs> middle, you know, I'm 40, I'm mid-aged. And I, the, a lot of my mentors and peers are much older than me. So I've always was the young guy to them, mm -hmm. you know, and to see it now and to, to understand how much I can learn from you has been incredible. Everyone should be following you and listening to your show, The Casey Adams Thank Show. You. And for podcast hosts, check out listen.fm. Listener. Listener.fm, sorry. Listener.fm. Um, and if you gain value from this episode, you know, I, it's something new that we're doing, but I would ask that uh, you like it, you subscribe and help promote it because we're trying to make success formula more available to everybody. And the more people we can impact, the better everyone can be. It's been an absolute pleasure having you in studio today, man. And I want to thank you for taking the time and driving here. It was not a small <laughs> ask, but you did it and you said yes. And this was important because I think, as Absolutely. you mentioned, the relationships that we can build right here, face-to-face. -face. Yep. Um, and then after the show, I'm going to obviously ask for a lot of feedback so I can continue <laughs> to hone my skill and be as good as you. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for having me on today. Again, this studio and your ability to, to bring this to life is just so incredible to see. So excited for you in the future of the show. And again, thanks so much for having me on. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you're looking to level up your relationship capital game, then take a minute and text the word Jeff to 33777 for a free copy of my Network to Millions playbook. The link will also be provided in the show notes below. See you guys next time.